You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. With Ken Laird. Bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. He's a killer. Yeah. Yeah. He's a mess. Lace him up for some bees talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Tuesday, August 13th, it's another edition of the Skate Podcast, or it's Taco Tuesday, one of two. Text exchange from Matt Kalman, my faithful partner, last <laughs> night. How long until you're doing this pod with Joey Mack? That capped uh, what uh, started as me yet again surfacing in a piece in The Athletic, where Joey Mack happens to write for, that we might talk about today, and all I got was a snappy, snarky response. Uh, that was thrown in after I had squashed your suggestion that we get Reamer or Loomer Loney on the podcast. So, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, scraping bottom of the barrel. You wanted Alex Reamer on the podcast? Alex Reamer moves the dial in this town. Have you ever, have you ever retweeted? Have you ever retweeted a tweet of his, or tweeted or tweeted to him, or retweeted any okay. of his work? He, he, sometimes he'll move the dial. You want him on the hockey podcast? Well, he's a huge hockey fan. I'm sure. Got to give it to Corey. To who? Sean Corey. Now, what's your objection to doing this piece in The Athletic? I, I like this. They, they... I just don't get this. Like, we polled 12,000 of our readers. First of all, did all 12,000 respond? No. Second of all, what did I, how many, no, they how many people did they? 12,000 responded. All right, so out of the 12,000, how many are Boston fans? They're trying to get the gauge of the Boston fans. They said every how many fan of they 12, had at If you would read the piece, they explained this to you. Every... I can't, first of all, I don't read any pieces with a guy whose byline I can't read. Dom, is not, I can't read it. He's a cab I can't driver get in New past York. it. A lot of consonants in a row. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know what his name is, but I thought it was it was it's pretty well done. It's the fourth year they've done that. They poll their subscribers. How do you feel about X team? Or if you want to talk about every team in the NHL, go ahead. But each hockey team had uh, between one hundred and up to six seven hundred respondents that that are okay. So six hundred respondents that we. That they claim are Bruins fans. Yeah, we so don't they, even they, know if it's, they got five or six hundred Bruins. You know, we fans don't even know if it's trolls. We don't know if it's Russian bots. Whatever it is, then then what did I say to you? How many people were? How many people in Boston did I t- text you? Six hundred thousand just in Boston. Never mind the fact that the Bruins are a sample. regional team. You know how there radio are ratings are based. North They're based on like twenty people. Uh, entire. I didn't careers think we were going to bring up the ratings on this show, um, but uh, I hate these small like. Especially, I hate the, this idea. This always drives me crazy. When in the finals, it was un, nonstop. People hated to sit with me at dinner at the finals because everybody would bring up, "Oh, you know, Tuukka Rask is a polarizing figure in this town." Tuukka Rask, 
Zdeno Chara. Be like, why? Because there's like 150 trolls and, and like one television person and one radio person who These are not trolls. Tuka. These are people that actually pay money to subscribe to The Athletic, which I, which I think means you're a legitimate, you're, you're a pretty serious But we fan. don't know what their background is. We don't even know if they, maybe they've liked hockey for a year. Maybe they've liked it for 50 years. How are they going to gauge whether this person's an expert? Now, Okay, well, what was, what was the apart, objective of this? Who though? did you poll? Wait. What was your big idea this week? Why don't you it's tell August freaking thirteenth? Why don't you tell me what? I'm interested in this. All, All right, right, so tell me what what was their purpose of this poll? Let's get okay. to that. They wanted to take the yeah. pulse of the fan and uh, gauge the confidence level that they have in their respective right. front office, okay. their general manager. And, and the Bruins staff. came in where? Bruins came in ninth. That's not bad. I mean, that's that's not pretty bad at good. All. I mean, uh, I think that might actually be a reflection of of the of the of the real fan base, not yeah. just you know morons. Well, that's on what Twitter. I'm saying. And you're trashing it before you even read it. Or well, get I think to wasn't it. didn't they say the second place was New Jersey? Second place is well, first place was Tampa. Yeah, which makes sense. Uh, I didn't write down second. Yeah, might I be think Jersey. somebody said second was Jersey, and I want yes, to is. know if they how they found anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's a de- still a Devils fan. Listen, they're, they're all Dale fans from back in the day. <laughs> Listen. I mean, I, I know they've won three cups, but uh, even in those days, uh, it was pretty hard-pressed to find anyone in the tri-state area who would admit to being a Devils fan. Well, so. uh, Shiro's got a big family. I mean, that, that, <laughs> that Hockey Pipeline. Other than maybe, deep. you know, James Gandolfini. That's about the only Devils fan I could think of. Well, look, they they, they have two numbers. So they yeah, gauge what, right. the, what the fan bases think yeah. of their teams and what the public thinks of their teams. Okay. So basically, they, they put Bruins fans against what everybody else that's responded is giving as a number four. These categories, roster building, cap management, drafting and developing, trading, free agency, and vision. I'm not sure what vision okay. is. Yeah. But anyway, you get a sense of in the bubble and then outside the bubble. It's just it's just a number. So this is just the polling. That's all they did it? They didn't do it? There's no scientific? I mean, no. that guy usually dabbles in all kinds of crazy numbers that I can't. No, it's just, oh, okay. it's just a number, a grade from one to five. So and this is just from the poll of 12,000? 12, 12,000 okay. people. Huh. Okay. So the Bruins... <laughs> Are but today, today the same <laughs> publication tells me the Bruins have the 29th farm system. We'll get to that. Yet another <laughs> good piece in the Athletic. But here's the overall. The guy called Jeremy Laws on a depth player. But anyway, all right, go on. All this is saying is this. Not this. Their poll points out this is their the, uh, thesis. The rest mm-hmm. of the hockey world thinks yep. more highly of the Bruins than its own fan base does. Yeah, I think it's well, not dramatic, but it, but but in what? general. Bruins fans are tougher on their team than other people are outside the bubble. Here's 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 a, a an example of a legitimate, you know, even-minded, even-handed fan. Um, I don't know her real name, but she's sassy blonde one. She's pretty big Bruins fans. At At Wit Show is her handle on Twitter, and she said, "Winning one cup in the salary cap aid is remarkable. That's what has made the feats of Chicago, Pittsburgh, L.A. such an accomplishment. So I'll take that one in forty-five years and be happy." See. That's what I got from most of the people that uh, I posed this question to. I mean, yeah, there's there's some angry people out there. I mean, there's some people who host, you know, radio shows who have made their business by hating everything and ripping on everything. And there's a, a segment of the fan base that will rip on anything and everything. I mean, uh, every, every time a player becomes available nowadays, you know, it used to be nice when you didn't have social media. You'd have to know what every moron in the, in the world was thinking. So every time there's a player released or put on waivers or gets traded, oh, why didn't the Bruins get this guy? Was the was this guy a fit for the Bruins? It's it's crazy, and that's well, where, and that's, that's where this nonsense you know builds up of like this this hatred. I mean, sure enough, you should especially you, you should absolutely respect what this organization has done. I mean, you you 
the thing you sent me talked about the 15 draft and how that might be a blemish on them, and we talked about that last week. Yes, but we you can't overlook the fact that Brandon Carlo got went in the second round in that draft, so they they made up for it, and they've they've been a lot better drafting in later rounds for some reason. And right, in fact, you referenced the other Corey Pronman from the Athletic Road. Yeah, he's ranked. They're ranking the farm systems, and uh, the Bruins farm came in 29th, so they're, yeah. they're one of the first to be released. But it's a little misleading because the Bruins have Pasternak, McAvoy, DeBrusque, Carlo, and if you include Andres Bjork. Five players who were under 23, who are not prospects anymore, who have come through the pipeline and sure. are you know, young players. Exactly. I mean, that's so why that, this, that's part of yeah. the farm system. And plus, me. when you're, we always talk about when you're winning, you're drafting low. Yep. And uh, everyone sang Ken Holland's praise in Detroit, and he did an amazing job. Probably going to be a Hall of Fame GM at some point, but uh, that that well dried up, right? They haven't been very good the last few years, and Dylan Larkin's a nice player, but they haven't really put the pieces around some of their younger core. So it comes and goes with the territory. And if you can find these gems or, you know, they've done great with the f- college free agents, uh, Carson Kuhlman, obviously, uh, a few other guys. You know, you got uh, Cooper Zexon to come in here now this year. So um, you find alternatives and maybe the Bruins, the Bruins, maybe they pay the price. We know, you know, with, going back to this Beecher pick and the Trent Frederick pick, they, they pay the price for not swinging for the fences sometimes late in the rounds to, to try to hit up, but they get these guys that are at least, you know, Above average NHL player. At well, that some point. well that to stick on the prospect rankings for a second, and and their top five are. So you, tell me if you agree or disagree. Jack Stanicka, number yeah, one, right. Vakanine and two. Beecher three. So already their first round pick this year is yep. their third highest ranked prospect. Sure. He's got a ceiling. I think it's you know sometimes that yeah. the sexiness, the the unknown gets a guy higher. higher well, more he's definitely going to be in the NHL. Let's put it that way. You know, it's not a bust at all, right? Uh, their t- first goalie appears at number four overall, Kyle Kaiser. Yeah, that was surprising that he was that high. But And Trent Frederick is fifth. And then Carson Kuhlman comes in sixth. Right. But all these guys, even Kuhlman, who we saw this but year. But for some reason, he's got Laws on as a death. He was not even, like, in the top 20 or something. So right. I, I, he's a little bit off there. I don't know who he talks to, if he just goes based out of his head or if he actually talks to people in the organization. I mean, the way he wrote it is if, like, Lawson he's seen these guys a play higher. a couple games here and right. there. And, and, he, he yeah, gotta... and he left out the third-round pick from this year, which is fine. And, you know. Um, Lauko, he kind of didn't seventh. He has him well, seventh. he has him seventh. But yeah, I don't know where Lazan wouldn't be a top ten guy at this point. I mean, he's not a depth guy. We saw what he he can do. He's a top. He could be a top four guy on this team. But but, but I think the point is well taken in the fact that all these guys, even Stanika, they're not viewed as yeah. saviors, top six right. players. And, and when you're ranking, when you're ranking, maybe Vakanainen. I I actually would put Vakanainen higher than Stanika based on what I've heard. And seen, I haven't seen Stanika play. We've seen Vakanainen a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, I you, I think you can go either way. I don't want to like. Uh, be wishy washy here, but one two. there's uh, I think Vakadina getting dinged last year kind of hurt him. And, and, and the idea that I read, the, I actually read this one, and he talked about Vakadina maybe not being a points guy, but you don't know that in the NHL yet. I mean, he was so dinged up last year and playing in, in the other league he was playing in, he was in a different role. So, well, let me give you the quick snapshots of what he wrote. Yeah, Stanika, uh, very good prospect, defensive center, quality pro, right? Okay. In a snapshot, Vakadina, smart, good skater. Excellent breakouts, high-end passer. Right. But as you said, they're questioning his uh, ability yeah. to score points. Beecher right now, top nine forward with penalty kill ability. Right. Don't know. Kaiser, six foot two inch goaltender, quick. Can steal games. A little bit erratic. I think they talked about that he moves a little too much yeah, at times. Yeah, right. I haven't seen Kyle Kaiser play that much. Trent Frederick, useful, role guy. So once you hit... Number yeah. five and down, there's a lot of that. Now, yeah. Lauko, he says, high-end skater, reckless yeah. abandon. I kind of like that. Right. Well, that's just it. I never even know, like, how is he ranking them. Like, I've done these in the past for different places I've worked for, and I'm going to do one at some point this month. 
Um, but are you ranking them based on their ceiling? Are they going to? Is there a chance to be a star? Are you ranking them on their ability to definitely be in the NHL? Right. Are you are you ranking them based on closeness to the NHL or you you know a future? And so I always wonder. But you know, obviously, I would put Lauko on it based on his skill set ahead of, of Frederick. I mean, Frederick, you know, and, and even Coleman. I mean, is there really that much offensive upside that he sees in I this guy? I think so. I, I like it's him. Hard I mean, to say. I don't think he's a top he's six. Sneaky good. And Lauko really should be a top six. So I mean, but anyway, they have. You don't know what he's basing on. It looks to me the like they're, they're fairly deep with role players, and they don't have a ton of guys who you yeah, expect I mean, to be. Pasternak's and Marchands of the world, but could develop into that. Yeah, I mean, Lauko and, and Beecher certainly have uh, that potential. Anderson, I guess people are higher on him now than than I thought. Uh, he kind of, I guess his he was kind. Of, you look at the numbers from last year, and he's kind of out of out of sync. You don't really see much there, but I guess he was in the World Junior Showcase this year, so I guess you know there must have been a deep uh, Swedish contingent on D. So. Um, for last year, I mean, and so you know, they're they're all right. You know, when you rank them 29th, I just wonder. Again, what is he basing it all on as far as ranking these prospects within the teams? And then when you're ranking the teams, how many of these teams have these superstar Russian guy prospects that you might not see ever? I mean, you see a lot of teams take these Russians, and they're waiting two and three years for them to come. And then even if they do come, they're maybe not as good as they were supposed to be. Well, Pavel Shen's ninth on the list. Is he going to be the Russian uh, superstar to come? No, he's coming over already. So, I mean, that's at least the Bruins got that done. I mean, you you saw... uh, Team, there was one team that took a first round pick right on a guy who's not coming this year. So you know, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, guys are going to look sexier when you have them on your board. But are you really going to get them into your system? Are you going to develop them? And let's face it, uh, Bruins have done a pretty good job developing the guys once they get them, whether they're you know high picks or not. Wouldn't you say? Correct. I mean, Absolutely. These defensemen I mean, that step in. In fact, a previous. A story we referenced on this podcast basically highlights the last 10 to 15 years. The Bruins have had bigger impact development from their uh, farm system than anybody else in the NHL. I mean, in terms of yeah, I mean, players that have impacted over a three, four or five-year stretch, you know, that you can now judge fairly. You can't, you can't argue with what they've done in the farm system. It's just a matter of <laughs> the NHL system right now yeah. uh, leaving holes. And maybe they've, maybe they've become too enamored with these prospects. We've talked a lot about, you know, when do you trade some of these guys – to get uh, those, you know, and then they've obviously have traded them. Donato gone. Yep, um, that's true. They lost Donato. So, uh, forced back Carlson went back overseas. Right. And uh, right, but I just Connor mean, I just mean, you know, up. when do you trade some prospects to say, okay, we're going to get this top six wing? And of course, you can't argue with it right now because they don't have the cap space. But well, the big in, red in marks the, are grand screen uh, things. Jacob Zaboro is eighth on this list. He's the thirteenth overall pick in, in the fifteenth yeah. draft, and uh, we, know, we know what. what and Sinitian is twelfth. So both of those guys you expect to hire yeah. at this point, right? And you know Zaboro is barely. We know his ceiling now is kind of probably top four shutdown kind of role, and Sinitian's going to have to. He's he's probably going to get some time this year because when they have injuries, he's going to be amongst the call ups. Assuming he doesn't really go off the trail or else, but that's clearly not what you wanted. Yeah, out of the f- whatever fourteenth pick, whatever he wants. But back to the uh, poll the, yeah. the, of the uh, the subscribers to yeah. the Athletic, the harshest category was free agency by yeah. far. Now this free agency, they basically have uh, taken a pass. Right. Uh, but well, yeah. I, I mean, guess if that's the way you feel, maybe you should give them credit for that because we're they're getting right. harsh grades that, for the for they've the obviously money they've, they've learned their lesson. Yeah. Right. I don't think you're going to see a Bacchus deal ever again from these guys as long as this is the system, and the cap is what it is. But. Uh, you can't argue with Wagner, Nordstrom, and even the guys they got this year, Lindholm and Richie. You know, if if they if they fail in camp and they don't make the team, those guys, 
it's it's a million out the door. I mean, it's not right. it's not a huge thing. And uh, the, you know, the Bolesky thing, I never really had a big problem with. Uh, I oh, said it, really, I said it when they signed him. That wasn't a, that what that didn't put them in cap gel or anything like that. The length of it and the number. What was it? Three something. I think three and a half. It was three. I think it was three point seven five actually. And that wasn't bad considering he was the number one free agent forward on the market, coming off an amazing playoff. Uh, it, it made sense at the time, and when you're looking for guys, remember that this is this is pre Jake DeBrus. This is really in in transition and flux, trying to find guys to play with Krejci. it wasn't the worst thing, and, and it, it worked yeah, a little. Five bit. for nineteen, three point eight per. Yeah, so that that wasn't terrible. I mean, obviously, it yeah. wasn't terrible because they were able to move it. Right. Yeah, but those in things sneak up on you. I, mean, I mean, John Moore, we've argued too. Yeah, that's, but, that's... and you know what? They they could not have anticipated. They could not have anticipated the speed of the game increasing as fast as it did for him. But also the fact that that knee injury screwed him up, and it's you don't see that as often anymore. Got with with the way medicine is these days, guys get injuries like that. They come back and and they you know maybe they lose a, a quarter of a stride or something, but they can still play the game. And clearly, he wasn't able to recover from that somehow. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe it's something to do with his training or his body, but it wasn't that serious. I don't think he even had surgery. He just was out, and he rested it, and clearly even the New York Rangers, who were desperate for bodies last year, buried him in Hartford. So um, you couldn't anticipate that. Now, should you learn your lesson from that and not go five years with a David Backus? Of course you should have. And it did feel, back to the playoff spurt, that they overreacted to a, a goal-scoring yeah. spree. In a, a, Teams you know, do that a lot. It's totally unpredictable. But, again, it, he, they, they were, there were people uh, predicting $5 million for that guy, you know, when he hit the market, the way the, the free agency had been, you know, looking back at, like, the Clarkson deal and things like that. Yeah. They figured coming off that year and the type of player he was, I mean, everyone, every hockey GM is looking for the, the, the speed and the physicality, and he had that, no doubt. He played he, coming off a physical team. You know, the Ducks are always a physical team. It is amazing, though, to think that Matt Bolesky somewhere has $20 million in his bank account. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know what you made last year, but Matt Bolesky uh, made $20 million. Well, he's 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 in the bad way because he has to actually go, go ride the buses in Hartford to get that <laughs> check. You know, David Clarkson gets to sit around and, and count sure. his bills. So. Uh, just to finish up this poll, and we've got more listeners. We've got our own poll, scientifically. We're one at a time plucking <laughs> listeners, That's right. uh, Skate Pod subscribers. Uh, in terms of 1 through 31, where the front office rankings uh, via their own fan bases are, Tampa is number one. So obviously if you're a Lightning fan, despite uh, flaming out, you feel good about the roster yeah, that I your think, GM is constructed. So it's not a surprise. You have, to, you have to take into account the uh, non-traditional hockey market fan base. They're not bitter. They're not, no. they're, they don't care. I mean, especially in Tampa. If you look at the grand scheme of things, Tampa from the start till now, they won a cup. Been to another final, had the year they had last year. I mean, there were some terrible years in there, but you know they've had Le Cavier, Stamkos, they've had star players, they, they've had it all. I mean, they've kind of been spoiled in a way. Spoiled, but uh, still struggling to get uh, back to where they were when Torts was there. Now, well, I think you'll love this. Toronto is fifth, but the fan base thinks high, more highly of the organization than anybody else does, like significantly so. So it's like <laughs> you you know, Leafs fans are so excited. That they were able, and and it does seem like it was a good off season for them, but everybody else around the, the hockey world is still skeptical. Something's gonna, the rug is gonna be pulled out from them, and and you know Marner's still. Yeah, I mean, until they, they get that issues. done, you know, show me how you're getting that done, and then I'll I'll tell you if if you're a good team or not. You know, we'll see how the Lightning get this thing done with point. I, I don't understand. I mean, this is a whole other 
discussion. I don't get what's going on here with these. <laughs> we know yeah, what the I, money I, I'm is. Taking a break from RFAs. Yeah, it's like, but it doesn't make any sense. They're all waiting for Marner. What What is Charlie McAvoy or any of these defensemen have to do with with what? With, or you know, Brock Besser's in the McAvoy position. He can't get an author sheet. So what? What are you waiting to see? <laughs> we Long know term the, deal. No we know bridge what the deal is. So I mean, how could these teams not be doing it? Brock Besser's. Every bit as important to the Canucks as Charlie McAvoy is to the Bruins, and I've written what it is. But um, and the fact is, uh, you know, the, the Canucks can say, "Well, we got Peterson coming up or Pedersen coming up in the next couple of years," and this other guy. It, you deal with that when you get deal with that. The Bruins have to deal with Tory Krug. We'll we'll see how that goes. But yeah, we should put a moratorium on the RFA talks since it's going nowhere. I think so. Uh, to, just to finish up the list real yeah. quick. Florida fan base, middle of the pack, 15th. I mm-hmm. would have thought higher based on the uh, Quenville edition and Bobrovsky. Well, they had to find them. <laughs> and let's face it. They I had mean, to find Florida listen, fans. all due respect ball. to fans and all due respect to the athletic. I mean, of those 12,000, how many do yeah, you think I'd are Panthers 100. fans? Exactly. They said the minimum was 100. So it's hard to gauge. I mean, Detroit 18th. Uh, it does seem higher than I thought, though. I guess Wings fans are excited about Eisenman coming and being able to turn around I, I, yeah, and I think the, the organization. Well, yeah, I, I think they're, and they know. Ownership, as far as it comes to hockey, is always committed the there. So Montreal just twentieth. Their biggest <laughs> hit was well, that's free the, agency. Yeah, and that's cynicism, though. Too. I mean, that, yeah. That's that's the Canadians' fans. I mean, they haven't won in thirty years, and you know, but had a surprisingly good year or twenty twenty six years actually. A bubble season when nobody expected. Uh, Buffalo twenty second. The biggest knock there was the Ryan O'Reilly trade. I'm sure if you're a Sabres fan and you watch the Cup yeah, final, you're let's like, face what it, the that, f- that that fan base has been screwed over how many times? So. Totally. And uh, what I thought was maybe the most surprising, uh, the Blackhawks and the Penguins twenty fifth and twenty sixth. Yeah, that so doesn't like, make any sense. How could you not have faith in the Blackhawks? I mean, I think I thought they were good last year and maybe shouldn't have made some of the trades they did to get rid of guys, but now that they're 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 recharging. I mean, well, I mean, but they had some. Uh, misspent money to the point where it seemed like yeah. they, their cap was. They misspent them. money for three cups, so I'm not gonna. You can't knock that. I mean, you know that they're committed. Jeez, after all the years of Wurtz and the nonsense they went through, how could you not have? How can they not be in the top ten as far as faith since what they've accomplished since then? I mean, jeez. One of the lists we got to get to, and that's the uh, NHL Network top wingers list. They've done this list uh, uh, several years. Last week we did the center list, and Bergeron was seventh, right? Mm-hmm. This year, Kucherov won, Patrick Kane two, Ovechkin three, and Brad Marchand four. Right, and then Postonok was where? Postonok last year was 14th, and this year he is up to 10th. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I can't argue with those. I think the only argument I maybe have is, uh, well, of course, the the Mitch Marner love, you know, the Toronto bias always comes Marner's through. Marner's fifth. Marner is fifth, and uh, Mark Stone is not in the top 10. And uh, where do they have Drew? They have Dreisaitl 6th, Johnny Goudreau 7th, Panarin 8th, mm-hmm. Miko Rantanen ninth, then Pasta, then Blake Wheeler and Giroux 12th. Yeah, Claude Giroux is a little high. I think. I mean, a great player. I love him, but I think he's... Well, he's old now, 30. He's getting older, exactly. And him and Wheeler maybe should be further down on that list. You know, you put a Mark Stone up higher. And uh, Well, here's one thing I want to ask you that I was thinking about. Is Kucherov... Cause actually... You know, full disclosure, my son was wearing his Kucherov T-shirt today, so it Whoa. triggered a brain in my head. What an admission that is. He appreciates. He's a Bruins fan, but he appreciates uh, pure talent. Um, I mean, is it his prime? Is he the, he's be- off is the, he the best forward in the league? Does he, does he play enough of a two? I mean, do, you, do we care, points. Do we care about the, goals do we care about the two-way game at all, though? I mean, is he the best forward? Would you Would you start, if you were picking a wing to start a team today, would you pick him? I would certainly pick him over Kane or Ovechkin yeah, based right, on age. Right, um, sure. He is. He's kind of feisty. I mean, he's tough. Yeah. He's, he's not like he 
he, he's a tough son it's, of a I gun. I don't know the answer to this. I'm just asking yes. this question. Yeah, I mean, I, I maybe mean, Marner, actually. Marner. Based on age, if no. you're going to start what a What about Dreisaitl? I haven't seen him play enough. I, I got to be honest. Yeah. I, there, there's a guy that yeah. I just he's say, well, McDavid goal guy. I mean, but it's, uh, and he's a center who's playing, a, a natural center playing the wing, so he clearly has the two-way game. And Yeah, he's 23, 105 points last year. And uh, then even, you know, yeah, I guess. I mean, Goudreau, it's, it's just hard to say. I don't know. I just don't like the – I always get suspicious when we're just basing things on points. And Well, Panarin being eighth, maybe that'll upset some uh, Bruins fans who saw him sort of wilt in that series. But then again, Pasta – Disappeared yeah, exactly. Critical times last year. Yeah, these at least they're not trying to sell me on points per sixty. That's the bane of your existence. Next next time a player plays sixty minutes in a game, let me know. Well, Taylor Hall is the biggest drop on this list. He was third last year on the yeah. NHL Network list. This year, he's fifteenth. Right. So on the heart, I guess injury costs you because that's the only reason he wasn't uh, left knee back in the spot. There was uh, thirty three games injury. So. Hubert Oak, uh, Matthew Kachuk, Landeskog, Line A, and uh, Phil Kessel at 20th round up the list. Now the Arizona Coyotes. So there's your top 20 wingers. Yeah, I'd have to look at a list of snubs to see if Phil Kessel really belongs there. But but Dale is going to be upset about this. This flies directly in the face of the... Sorry, Alexander Ovechkin this year can't carry Brad Marchand's well, jock. Now, Dale, this now, year. that is extreme. Well, it doesn't say who could hold whose jockstrap. It just it just <laughs> ranks them. So. Well, he's got Ovechkin third you know, and Marshan fourth. Well, you know, and you know NHL Network's going to have Ovi so that they could say Ovi. I'm surprised they don't just put Crosby <laughs> on every list. They don't just put Crosby on every list, right? I mean, geez. All right, What's before we bring up, before we bring on our listener of the week, there is a new Nesson sideline reporter. Yeah. Uh, Speaking you, of names, he can't pronounce. Right. Uh, no, the, but I, in, I think I know how to say this one. Go ahead. In the Nesson release, they. Is, is, I, think it's, it. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's just like Jerkovitz, Jerkovich, something like that. Sophia Jerkovitz. Yeah, I've heard her on the uh, Hockey Night in Canada. Podcast. I, I thought you were trolling her when you. No, you actually, actually listened to. I've actually listened to that podcast. I like to hear her interview. She actually knows about hockey. This will be the first time. Nesson has hired someone I've heard of before they hired them. So. Where did the old one go? Last they saw her, she was on ESPNU or something, covering soccer or something. Because I liked Sarah Davis. About. I was a big Sarah oh, Davis. Oh, Sarah was amazing. She was electric. She knew hockey. She was Canadian. She had a baby she's not, she's and She's got a family now, and she's, yep. she's out. All right, to the phone lines we go. It's our uh, fan of the week. Who is up this week, Matt Kalman? Uh, we have Chris Mancuso. Chris, where are you yeah. from? What's uh, Describe yourself. What's your story? Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Chris Mancuso. I'm from Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. Uh, massive Bruins fan. For anyone that knows their history back in uh, the 70s and that, there was the Niagara Falls Flyers, which was the uh, junior A team for the Boston Bruins. So there's a massive Bruins community here in my town. Cool. cool. Did you watch the Nicka play out there? Wasn't he in Niagara? Oh, yeah, Studnicka was there last year. Yeah, they uh, they acquired him. He is unbelievable. And uh, actually, good news is I'm going to be on the Ice Dogs beat this season. Uh, cool. And uh, they have some great players down there, as well as uh, L.A. Kings uh, prospect Akil Thomas and uh, Thomasino, who went in the first round to the Nashville Predators. So looking forward to that this year. But, yeah, Studnicka is, uh, in my opinion, hands down the top Bruins prospect. He's fun to watch. Speed and size. Well, that's, we just were kind of debating that quickly. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of him. Vakanine and I just feel like the the perception is he's a bit higher end, but maybe you would dispute that since you've watched the Nika. I mean, yes, the Nick is um, the thing. That, he has top six potential, 110 percent. But then you got Vakanainen as well, who's probably you know you're hoping one day to fit into that three four slot uh, behind what you kind of have going on with Charlie and Carlo. Uh, can say hopefully if all things go well. But yeah, 
no, those are definitely the top two guys in the system. You can kind of go uh, either way on it. But for me, I think Studnika has a, he plays that new NHL style that you saw the St. Louis Blues use to dismantle the Bruins there in that yeah. seventh game. And it's uh, big bodies and, and quick on the puck. And, and he'll give you that for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good to know. The uh, so we were, like I said, we were, we've been debating this uh, athletic um, fan faith poll. I guess they call it faith com- yeah, they, confidence. They, they had a bunch of their subscribers, twelve thousand people. They polled that uh, ranked their their favorite teams, front offices, and and the rest of the league, and kind of yeah. sized them up between public perception and, uh, and so the Bruins fan were perception. Bruins ranked ninth. ninth. So, I mean, what I thought was most interesting is that the fan base was a little tougher on the Bruins than. Uh, than the rest of the country felt about them. Yeah. So I mean, Chris, what do you, you know, what, what is your faith level and your confidence level in this, uh, you know, front office and organization? And then maybe why do you think uh, the, the the polls show that the fans are a little tougher than the rest of the country or the rest of the readers? Well, first and foremost, when you come from a city with the rich history like Boston and the championships, it's going to be a little bit tougher judging than you would get, say, if you were a fan yeah. uh, just up the road in Toronto or across the pond in Buffalo here. But listen, um, I think the front office does a pretty good job, all things considered. I think that, um, you know, it was a rough start. You know, that 2015 draft with Don Sweeney, when you look now and you see uh, Shabbat and Barzell and Kyle Connor, sure, it's rough. But you know what? Last year... Don Sweeney evaluated his roster, kind of went into the season the same way they did, and uh, and made the deals he had to make at the deadline to really to really propel this team into the run that they were able to go on. So to sit there and say, I think ninth actually isn't even a bad spot for sure. the front office. To be completely to be completely honest with you, I know Don Sweeney won GM of the year, and that was great. I kind of felt bad for Doug Wilson in San Jose <laughs> on that one because right. he didn't even get nominated, and he pulled that whole. Uh, you know, he solved the Carlson and Mike Hoffman feud himself. He took right. Hoffman and flipped him for more. And, I, and, I, and you know, I just thought that maybe he was going to get it for that uh, wizardry. And, you know, he always seems to assign his guys to these great contracts. But one thing I'll say, Don Sweeney does too. David Pasternak probably two, two and a half million dollars under market. Same yeah. could be said for Brad Marchand. Uh, we'll see what he can do with Charlie McAvoy and uh, and Brandon Carlo. But, I mean, yeah, I think ninth is almost is almost the perfect spot. I, yeah. I'm, ten, I'm, I'm in line to agree with that. And you know what, too, I think that you bring up Boston, the championships, and we always talk about that and what the expectations. But I think there's also – this is a very regional uh, fan base in terms of they know the Bruins. They might not – people are going to kill me for it, but they might not know the rest of the league as well, and they might not just be as familiar with some of the – the bombs that some GMs have dropped over the years. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, every GM has some screw ups they want to do over, and Donnie clearly has them. And he started off. I mean, his leadoff move, I think, was the Zach Ronaldo trade, right? I think he wants oh. that one back. So you look at the at the at the history, and you know the track record for him. Obviously, we know free agency. He's good with the smaller ticket items and not the bigger ticket. And in trades, he's I think he's he's at least even, if not uh, ahead, uh, as far as trading, right? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. The only thing is, is free agency day gets a little silly sometimes yeah. with the Matt Bolesky and Backus right. contracts. Although, like, Backus, you know, Louis Erickson walked. They were kind of in a position where Backus looked like he played kind of more of the Bruins style than Erickson did right. coming off a bad season. I get why it happened, but, again, I don't see any reason you would never call to make a change. They, you know, they made the perfect call. They fired. They got rid of Claude Julien right at the right time, Brock That's Cassidy, true. and right at the right time. There right. have been so many... Good moves. The good outweighs the bad, but definitely wouldn't put them in the, you know, they're not in the top echelon where you see a team like Tampa Bay continues to make the magic to, to keep this roster together. And uh, if Toronto, you know, if Sean Dubas gets, uh, sorry, if Kyle Dubas gets um, 
gets the Mitch Marner contract sorted out and, yeah. and that you know you, you can look at that front office and be like wow he made it through that because uh for a guy who didn't take one risk to sign his players a year ahead of time right. and, and made them all prove it if he comes up with all of them still on the roster i mean that's incredible sure so we know basically i mean regardless of what happens here, we know assuming mcavoy carlos signed this is going to be pretty much the same team coming back um, we've lived through it this year with the Red Sox. What that does when you bring back the same team mm-hmm. to uh, you know a team that goes as far as it did in the play- playoffs. I mean, what is what are your thoughts on them doing that same thing, bringing back pretty much the same team? Yeah, well, this is my thing. Um, I'm in the personal believer. This isn't a, a good take for a lot of people, and I, I don't mean this in any disrespect. I love Tory Krug to death, but last year the first round, Tampa Bay. Toronto, Washington, Pittsburgh, all out in the first round. I just, when you look at the Bruins forward group going into this season, I don't think they're going to get the, I'm not, I don't want to say the break that they got because obviously Columbus and Carolina, yeah. those teams had to win series. But right. I don't think they're in a position to hold on to Krug as as like a, their own version of a rental. I think mm-hmm. they need a forward so bad that they if 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 he doesn't take a, a, the hometown discount, you got to you got to test his love of the area, right? So for me, sure. I would offer Tory Krug the 6 times 6 offer on the 6 year, 36 million dollar contract. I know that's undervalued, man. The guy's going to get yeah. 7 and a half, 8 million, right. 40 assists a season, uh power play specialist, but you know, you got to test the results, but yeah, for me, I, the only thing I want to see them do is don't let that happen don't think that you're a good enough for on the forward end of things that you can just afford to hang on to Tory Krug because there's a log jam on that defense when you look at this team you mentioned back in Einen, you look at Clifton you look at these guys who played uh Greslick and Krug and yeah. Carlo McAvoy Chara uh the list goes on and on um of guys that you know they probably have about 10 viable spots for those six things so for me when you look at the at the right wing position and you see Kuhlman maybe there and you got to see possibly like a Brett Ritchie in the lineup or maybe Sean Corrales has to come up to the third line for me. I don't think they, I think they got, they should move one of these defensemen and make something happen. Jesse Pugliarvi maybe would be a low, uh, low buy high reward pickup out of Edmonton. They did horrible with his development, but uh, I really hope this isn't the forward group they bring into the season. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, you can't keep doing this and hoping that you're going to get something at the deadline and, like you said, uh, he made the right moves last year, but they were one game from looking like wrong moves if uh, Freddie Anderson doesn't, you know, pretty much give them game seven there. So, you know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it is, it is, it's it's very dangerous when you're doing things like this, just counting on development and counting on guys repeating performances. And even those bottom six guys, you know, you never know if a, a Wagner or a Corrales is really going to be able to, to do what they did last year. And then that really kind of is a house of cards. It kind of, you know, reverberates with everyone. So you're right. Yeah, and then a guy like Brett Ritchie is an interesting option, too. I mean, he had that one season in yeah. Dallas where he put up 16 goals, looked like he was going to be a viable third-line right. power forward, and uh, just nothing. And that's another guy who played here in Niagara, and I watched. Uh-huh. And uh, I'll tell you one thing, Studnik is a lot more exciting of a player than Brett Ritchie <laughs> ever was, but another so. guy who's massive and is not afraid to mix it up, and I really thought was going to be a pretty half-decent NHLer, but it doesn't always go that way, right? Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, Chris, where do, you have a, a weekly podcast or a monthly, or how, how do people uh, Yeah, well, we do. Uh, it'll be weekly. You guys know how it is right now. It's the dog days of yeah. summer, right? We do the Big Bad Bruins podcast, uh, Ian Glennon and I, for full press coverage. It's a lot of fun, man, and, uh, you know, I look forward to this season upcoming. I love – we we all breed Bruins hockey. We're all big hockey guys, and uh, – 
you know, this is an interesting offseason when you see teams like Toronto able to move Marlowe and, and Tampa able to get out of that cap situation. And you got David Backus there, and Ottawa was taking players. It's, I feel like we're not hearing something on Bacchus because at the beginning of the, the offseason, he said, you know, we're going to take a couple of days and talk about this. And uh, for teams like, you know, the Tampa got bailed out, Toronto got bailed out. The list goes on and on. The fact that Boston didn't explore the option to get rid of an asset, to get rid of that contract. When you have Krug upcoming, this, it's been a very strange offseason for me personally. Yeah, absolutely. So where do people find you on social media? At C Mancuso, which is M A N C U S O at nine seven nine seven on Twitter, as well as at Big Bad Bruins Pod on Twitter as well, fellas. Awesome. We appreciate you uh taking the time yeah, to man, do this. Good it's stuff. Great. Well spoken. Yeah, guys, thanks a lot for having me. It's good to find me. I know I've talked a little bit on Twitter and uh, and we exchanged some crazy ideas. I know I threw everybody off with my Zidane Charo over Bork article. <laughs> That's right. Uh, that was just to get a little bit of hockey talk going in August, man. I'm dying here. Yeah, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. All right, Chris, we'll do it again soon. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Take care. So, yeah, I mean, that's not—it's almost like a—that's not a fan. He's almost like a half a half media guy. Yeah, he's awesome, and uh, good. I think uh, I'll pat myself on the back. I've been pretty good at finding the right people yeah, on Twitter. There's yeah. actually these normal people. I don't it's actually better, don't, than a, better than you and I. I don't actually get a lot of morons on my Twitter, which is weird. Which is, I see morons in other fields and other walks of life, but somehow the Bruins followers are pretty good. And uh, you know, if you want to. Uh, if you want to be a guest on our show at some point, make sure you're following at the Skate Podcast, and uh, you know we'll DM you. And at some point, we'll probably follow back. Speaking of morons, we have to uh, address before we get out of here the off day pod. The uh, oh my god, dynamic duo of Andy Hart, or is it Andy Fart? Andy Fart, or is it Andy Shart? <laughs> is that is that a Mark James nickname for him? Uh, those are Dinos. Those are back. Oh, days. okay. I like Andy. Uh, Ryan Hannibal, by the way, who wrote. How many words on Danny Etling last week did Hannibal write? <laughs> 50,000. It was like... It, I think even The Athletic was like, wow, that's too long. <laughs> it may as well have been his obituary because Etling was cut today. I am, as soon as this yeah. podcast posts, going to retweet uh, Hannibal's Etling story from all accounts, from the Greg Hill Show account, from the Kent Laird Show And that's account, the kind of great coverage of the page you get from the off-day pod, so, you know, uh, tune in. So, But Hart was ripping... He, he he was trying to rip hockey fans. Yeah. He basically is ripping himself. I mean, he's, he's actually accurate. I think his beef was. We can listen to it here. Uh, hockey is beating us. Who even follows hockey? Right I now, think all the, the people that like hockey actually follow our competition. Screw our competition. It's a football town. The New England Patriots are the defending champions. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Ryan Hannibal, Andy Hart. There's dynasties here. Live the dynasty at Off Day Pod. He's saying that it's embarrassing that uh, you know it's a football town and we have more followers. I would agree. It's quite embarrassing. They have, what, 200 followers at oh, this point? Oh, it's embarrassing to them, but I, I think the idea, that, I don't know where he's from or where he grew up, but... We know this is a hockey town deep down in its blood, and uh, okay, yeah. But so, I mean, how, but you, how many football fans are there in New England? How many football fans will there be in New England fans? when the Patriots finally end their reign? How many? How many people will still stick by it? I I went to you know back in my day, I went to Foxborough Stadium, to Stadium, and there were five thousand people there. Back in my day, in Belichick's first season, I tried to give away tickets to this very radio station that I had for a game. I said, why don't you take these and auction them off? And they said, no, we're not interested. <laughs> so let's remember, it's not too long ago that, uh, that this, this is the attitude people had. Who told you that? Did you speak to an honor? Who knows who it was? It was somebody I called in. Uh, I wish the off-day podcast luck. I mean, I think they just... Yeah, they'll, they'll be great. I mean, Focus they'll... on the writing, I would say. Focus on writing on somebody that's going to make the team. 
then move on to, to pod combination. Hey, you know, and then if, when we have when we get the dinner from Bradford, which I didn't know it was a really dinner. I mean, originally it was just a meal, and I expected you know I thought Bradford to pick up. up my tab yeah. for a uh, Subway sandwich at Fenway Park or something. But this oh, is we're a going meal. To now. now Hart's talking about surf and turf, which oh okay, <laughs> all right, we'll take it, and maybe we'll eat it in the rickshaw. By the way, when are we getting the rickshaw to go down Causeway in the middle of the winter? I know. How about That's that? I, be- I was pumping up. Uh, I felt bad for Bradford. I'm pumping up the, the Bradford Show podcast by be the first guy on the rickshaw. And you, I, 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 I got to call you out. You're, you're tweeting from the Skate Pod account Forbes baseball uh, <laughs> stories that you Listen. wrote last week and then pretending like you didn't know you were using the Skate Pod for baseball. Uh, hey. You know, when you get played by the clicks, you you get them any way you can, right? <laughs> so the seven hundred something followers the skate pod has, maybe one of them clicked on my baseball story. Right, fair enough. In that case, I feel sorry for you too. Uh, next week, yeah, we're into the heart of August. The Bruins schedule is out. We yeah. know that by now, so we're counting down the days. But they don't actually report it. Isn't it amazing that baseball puts its schedule out before its up. season ends? They're just like, let's look forward because they have so many terrible teams that they want to look forward to next year, Perfect including the Red, the Red Sox. Sox yeah. Um, but when when do we when is actual report day? Are we within thirty days now or no? Yeah, we're within thirty days. Sure. What's what because we- uh, I'll actually be in Buffalo for the rookie, rookie tournament September sixth. So, so you know, less re- than a report month. day will be just a few days after that. Okay. Yep. So about a month. So only four more uh, podcasts yeah. to come up with the <laughs> the same arguments to reshuffle somehow. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, I'll have five new stories from the Athletic by next. Exactly, week. And we're obviously doing pretty good because we're we're, the, we're leading that race for followers. So you know, whatever it is, keep some, it up. Somebody loves hockey. Follow us at the Skate Pod. Uh, leave a five star review if you want to leave a one star review. That's fine. I, I, I really don't care. Just leave a review. We, we like the interaction, right? Something to chew on. Whatever it is, old pub is good pub. Okay, talk to you next week. <laughs>